0: The Missional Life Podcast, inspiring kingdom-minded believers around the world to live the mission of God in their
1: lives. All right, welcome back to the Missional Life Podcast. Today we have Derek and Valentine Pitts, the founders of God Cares Outreach, a ministry that is having a dynamic impact in the country of Belize. Derek and Valentin, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, 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 hey. It's, good to be here. it's good to be on here. Hello, all the viewers from wherever you are. Um, we're happy to be on here with some wonderful guys this yes. day. <laughs> we are excited
1: to have you. You know, for those of us who are not as familiar with Belize in the global context, can you catch us up to speed as to where Belize is, kind of the language, what the spiritual state of the country is, and any current challenges that the country is facing on a national level?
2: Awesome. Well, if you guys don't know, Belize is the beauty, most beautiful country in all the world. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, so, but but we're we're we're, we're located in uh, Central America, but also we share with Latin America and the Caribbean. So. Just below Mexico, um, Belize is located. Behind, uh, uh, behind us would be Guatemala, and below us will be um, Honduras. And then in front of us, the beautiful Caribbean Sea. And so Belize is strategically located, I believe. Um, and we're tucked away. Um, like I said, we share a little bit of the Caribbean. We share a little bit of Central America and a little bit of um, Latin America. Our primary language is English. Um, we were a British colony um, in all in all of Latin America. We were the only um, British colony, um, so we speak English. But you know, our population is very diverse. So while English is our primary language, um, Spanish is like our secondary language, where it's spoken uh, a lot. You know, Belize has a population of about 400,000 people. Um, very small, small country, but very rich in culture. We have. We have from the Creole um, to, to the Mayans, to the Hispanics, to the mestizos, to the Arawak people. So it's like a, it's like a melting pot, uh, very beautiful. Um, as far as a, where we're at as a country on a national level, we, we all know that we were hit with the, the pandemic and that, that caused some huge devastation to our country as far as economic is concerned. Um, Belize is one, you know, a very, very popular uh, tourist destination, and our country pretty much thrives on the back of tourism. And so when the borders were closed due to the pandemic, a lot of people went unemployed. I mean, as much as 40% of our population is unemployed. And, and we know unemployment is in, in anywhere, the, the, some of the, the chaos that happened. And so our country right now, as it is, is in a really tough spot. But we're praying and believing that God will turn that around and that the, the church will rise up and be the voice of hope to the hopeless. And so we're believing that, that things will surely, surely turn around.
1: Yeah, the pandemic has affected, you know, everyone. But, you know, for countries that are so reliant upon tourism and to have that just kind of turned off, you know, one day. um, Wow. What a what a dramatic impact that's that's been. So you you haven't always done God Cares Outreach. And we know a little bit of your story, but take us back, you know, take us back to kind of where you grew up in in. Belize and some of the story of you know what God was doing kind of at your younger parts uh, in your younger parts of your your lives. Derek, if you want to start,
2: awesome. Well, you know I I grew up on the south side of Belize City, and um, you know many people in the U.S. call that mm-hmm. across the tracks. Yeah. So we grew up in the rougher side of the city. Um, I, I was born to. Um, a mother, um, Matilda Malcolm, and my father was Roderick Pitts, and we had a family of nine. Um, Unfortunately, my dad wasn't always in our life or in our family. And so, you know, my older brothers, my older siblings had to become the father at some point. And, you know, as a young boy, and my older brothers moving out and that kind of thing, I had to take that role of being the, what you would call quote unquote, the breadwinner for the home. And how did I do that? You know, my mom was very um, skilled. You know, she used, she knew how to cook. And so mm-hmm. she would make some of the best uh, pastries around tongue. And it was my job to get all of these things sold in order to put food on the table and to provide um, the other basic needs that we have around the home. And so at age, I think about age nine is when I start walking around the, the city with a, with a yellow bucket. And inside mm-hmm. that yellow bucket would be roughly about $50 worth of goods. And I would have to sell that before I go to school. Um, so I'll get up like six o'clock in the morning, help mom, get all of this ready. And then I'll be through the streets on the top of my voice, shouting as loud as I can, waking up the neighborhood, letting them know that breakfast is at your doorstep. And so that is pretty much, you know, I got involved in that um, at a pretty young age. It affected my my school life, but also it introduced me to a whole nother arena. And that was a street life. Um, mm. I start getting um, connected with guys on the street, start doing some things that, that was not right. Uh, and especially for a kid that age was not supposed to be involved. Um, you know, I start picking up gambling because I just, Love the fact that I was able to bring home extra money, and sometimes I would lose all the money and I would get in some serious problem um you know I start getting into stealing stuff and and taking stuff that doesn't belong to mine all in the in the faith that i'll I'll help my mom provide for my little siblings and so at that time you couldn't tell me that what I was doing was wrong because that was how I was providing for my family, and so I felt like. Man, if this is the only way that I could do it, then I'm going to do it. Because when I come home, mom is happy. My younger brothers and sisters are happy. And that is what I want. So, and you know, a lot of my friends around that time, that that was a way that we could have provided for a family, not having a father at home and that kind of thing. And then, you know, we start getting more involved in drugs. And before you know it, I was, you know, selling drugs around the neighborhood because I was introduced to that. Um, my mom saw where my life was going, and she she ventured out in order to provide myself and my younger siblings um, a better better life. and And she felt like coming to America and chasing the the American dream would then put us in a better place. And so she left me in the care of my older brothers, who were very involved in the gang life and involved in drugs. And then my younger siblings was was not for my father he was for our next guy so my mom left them three of them in in the care of their father so you know my brothers and my older brothers start having me transporting drugs from one block to the next and at this time I was about 11 12 and I would be transporting you know like five to ten pump of ten pump of marijuana in my 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 knapsack going from one block to the next and you know police wouldn't stop a kid that age and that kind of thing and I start getting involved in that more and At one point, I didn't want to do it anymore, and my brothers would beat me so bad that my neighbors would have to call police to to come and help me out. And so I moved Mm -hmm. out at age thirteen, start renting my own little apartment. You know, we we paid about it was fifty dollars at the time, which is twenty five dollars Belize money, and I would rent my own little apartment. And you might say, "Wow, Derek, how how at that age you could be moving out?" But not only that, renting an apartment. Well. Just answer that, that question, you know, I start doing what I was taught, selling drugs. And so I start selling drugs on the Black. Um, you know, the, the bigger gang leaders was like, Papa T, you know, cause that was my street name. Papa T, if you're going to survive on the street, you will need a gun. And, and so I remember I got my, got my first little pistol at, at age 13, 14 there about. Um, and, you know, if anybody knew anything about the street life, all you, in order for you to be a gang leader, all you need to do is have a gun. And before you know it, everybody start following you. And so we start formulating our own little gang um, and just start doing some things that, that weren't right. Um, praise God, I didn't kill anybody, you know, so I, I escaped that one. But, you know, my life keep going down this spiral of either I, I saw where my life was going, either it was going to be prison or it was going to be six feet under. Um, and so I believe God was God was watching over me, you know, his grace was extended And one day, my little siblings came knocking on my door, um, the three of them, my two younger brother and my younger sister, and they were like, hey, Derek, you know, dad don't want us home anymore. Mom will have to find a place for us to stay. Well, I knew the condition that my mom was in. She was selling cans and bottles in LA to meet her rent. So there was no way that my mom could have um, took care of my younger siblings. And so I took them back to their dad's house, come to find out he had an ex-woman that did not want the kids. And so he didn't even allow us to come inside the gate. So I had to bring them back to my one bedroom apartment and start taking care of them, um, put them through school, make sure that they were eating, make sure that they were clothed. And one way that we were able to do that was because of a local church in the community that was providing food, that was providing support. And so we went to that church Um, and little by little, you know, God began to tug at my heart. You know, I start hearing this awesome message of a a God that loves me, a God that is a father to the fatherless. And I I wanted to know more and more about that. And at the same time, I didn't want my brothers and sisters to see the life that I was living. So I quietly gave up the life of the streets and the drugs and the guns. And, um, and I, I, I went into church, not fully, fully surrendering, but just going because I needed the assistance. But at the same time, God began to soften my heart. And before you know it, I was on the uh, in the drama team at the church because the pastor saw me to be a very charismatic, charismatic young man, very dramatic. I did not give my life to the Lord, but she saw potential in me and she's like, Derek, would you want to join the drama group? And I was like, sure. You know, the drama group will go from village to village doing uh, dramas, human videos. And that guy. I was like, cool, let's do it. And so I went in and believe it or not, Dan, they made me play the devil.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, and so in every skit, I was the devil, you know. Uh, one day, my pastor pulled me aside, and she said, "Derek, you're playing that part too good. I will have to give it to somebody else." And so, um, you know, and 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 that was how I got involved in the church. And one day, she said, "Derek, I want you to share your testimony at, at an outreach that we'll be doing." I didn't know what a testimony was, you know. But I had friends that that knew, and so I asked them, you know, what what is a testimony? It was like, Derek, you just share your life as to how you came to the Lord, you know really didn't come to the Lord as yet. But I remember that day we were in a, in a rural village and I stood up to give this testimony or, 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 or this, this, this lifeline of where I'm at and how I got to where I'm at. And it was in that moment that the Holy Spirit came upon me. And I mean, it came upon me so strong that it arrested me right where I'm at. And I surrendered to the Lord. And from that day, it was about 17, 18 that I surrendered. And from that day forward, we have, you know, I have been, serving the Lord full-time in ministry. I knew that I wasn't called to be a doctor or a lawyer or anything like that. I know I was called to full-time ministry. And so I surrendered my life in doing that. And by doing that, you know, I was able to bring my, my younger siblings to the Lord, my entire family. I led to the Lord, my oldest brother and his dying bread. I, you know, I led him to the Lord and then the Lord blessed me with my beautiful wife, uh, mm-hmm. Valentine, you know, and, and, and I thought that was, I was like, okay, God, you could, you, you could, you could take me home. I have got everything that I need. And then
3: <laughs>
2: Bless me, me with my beautiful daughter, mm-hmm. Hannah. Um, and you know, so, you know, leading all, all up to that one, you know, when I fully surrendered to the Lord and I went through the process of discipleship and all of that, I knew that my heart was called not to be in the church, but outside the church. And that was when God cares Outreach got burdened. Wow.
1: So much there. I love how, you know, that's such a testimony that, you know, sometimes we, we forget that God is working in our lives way before we even know it. Yeah, and, man. you know, and sometimes we, we think God's, you know, just cranked. He's so mad. He's angry, you know, and then he just kind of wait. And, but the truth is, it's, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's, his, it's, it's him chasing after, you know, we, 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 respond to that, but he's chasing, he desires that no, uh, no one Perishes right and um, so he is working in our all of our lives be, kind of upstream and you know behind us and you know all around us he's, he's working things out and um, I love how your story exemplifies that and I love that um, you didn't know what to share that night you know you just kind of responded, they gave you the opportunity and that testimony, you know, for, for our listeners, you know, so many times God calls us to step up into something and, you know, we don't know quite what we're going to say, but he promises, you know, if, we, if we surrendered him, he'll give us those words to say. Yeah. And it was at that moment, you know, he could, God just poured into you and did something fresh in your life. And I love yeah. that because when we, when sometimes we feel so ill-equipped, we don't feel like we can do it. We don't have anything to say, but truly, you know, when we're giving God the glory, when we're sharing the, that testimony, when we're reflecting that uh, to him, man, he will show up and he will do it. And and, um, and it's, it's just, you know, I love how you, you know, you shared that,
2: you know, Isaiah, Isaiah, when he was in the temple courts and God asked who will go for me, you know, Isaiah saw an opportunity and he slipped right in and he said, here I am, Lord, send me. I didn't believe that God was asking Isaiah to go. But Isaiah saw the opportunity. And, and listen to this, when he, when he slipped right in and he said, here I am, Lord, he quickly realized, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a, I'm a, I come from undone people. And it was then and there that God said, no, I'll put my words in your mouth. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll change I'll change your status. I'll change your, your reputation. You will be mine. And wherever you go, I will go with you. And so right along what you're saying, Dan, that sometimes God is just looking for some volunteers to slip right in and he will do the rest. All he needs from us is, here I am, Lord, use me. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, I am available to you. And he take that availability, he take that brokenness and he makes it look good. And that is what God did in that moment. A little kid from the south side that, that was considered a minister society, um, cut off, but God drafted me in and he made you know he made his glory shown through me at that given moment. So all it takes is a yes.
3: Mm. I love too, just you sharing how that impacted your siblings as well, just how they came to the Lord, you know, through your testimony and you, you know, giving them that experience and, you know, being part of the church. I just, and that's just incredible. I love that.
2: Yep. So when we were moving out of the church into full-time ministry, you know, I was, the, I was a youth pastor. My younger sister, which I led to the Lord, then took over my position as the youth pastor. And now they're still very much involved in ministry. My younger brother is a worship leader. I mean, he taught, he, he is going from church to church, helping them with their worship team, their worship set, their song system. So just to see them flourish um, in what God have called them to really is rewarding to me because at the time we didn't know what was going on. We didn't understand the puzzle, but to see that now is really, really awesome.
3: Wow. Wow.
1: And Valentine, tell us a little bit before we get into God Cares Outreach and kind of what that's doing nowadays. Tell us a little bit more about your backstory.
0: Well, my one is not as uh, um, huge as Derek, but I do have a story. <laughs> um, I grew up I'm the youngest of eight um uh I grew up with a single mom my dad um left well my mom left our dad when I was um, about three years old and we've been with her throughout but from ever since up until now yeah <laughs> um without him sorry ever since up until now but uh we grew up with love my mom made sure that we were loved we were taken care of we had food on our tables we she worked like three jobs and um when she couldn't um pull it in my sisters my older sisters we would like you know you remember the sacrifice that they make. they would have to be the one to fit school and go on work and help the younger siblings on, um, you know just to put food on the table and for for us to continue our, our educational um journey so being without a dad, I I grew up with the longing of, you know, I wanted a, a relationship with my father. And I don't know if my mom contributed. Well, she didn't contribute. To it. She was so loving and she taught us what forgiveness and, and all of that was about. We we never heard an ill word about our dad. We... um. She always told us how good, um, how good he is, what he, what he did when uh, we were all together and stuff like that. So we were all always excited about meeting him. And I, I could always remember the first time after about tw- 10 years, we got to see him for the first time. We were all standing at the end of a lane, me and my um, other four siblings. We were standing at the end of the lane with my mom. And she was like, there, you know, up the street, there's your there's your father. And we were all excited, like, oh, my word, we finally get to see him after so long. And um, little like to our um, to our experiences, like he just walked straight past us, didn't even recognize any one of us. And when he walked past us, that was that was when one of my older brother, he yelled and said, Dad, Dad, and then he turned back and he was like, oh, hi, hi, hi. And you know what, trying, trying to act out, like he didn't, um, knowing that he didn't recognize us. And that really put a hold in my heart. And it had me experience that, like, man, I wanted this relationship so bad. And to know that the, the one thing you, you, you long and try to treasure in your life was, in that moment, so disappointing to me. So, um, i've always like tried to battle, like you know like i wanted that tangible relationship um with a father so yes of course everyone always um talked about oh god is your father god is that which is he is but just a part of me always wanted that tangible love so um but i'm glad that you know i've been delivered from that i know that god he embraces me Man. he's beside me he's everywhere with me and, and it's that's more rewarding than, than anything but um, we went to seizing of just me and my mom living together and moments where we literally had to like cry out to God and say you be your provider because then we would be without jobs and I would ha- I had to quit school to go to work and all of that and and then one of our childhood friends a boy actually that my mom raised, he actually was at our house annoyingly every time telling us like go to church come to my church and not knowing it was like the same church that derek was going and finally my mom started to go and then she like a good mom dragged us to church all the time and um we started going to church and we started falling in love with it basically mostly because they had um they had cool um what do you call it? Groups, Events. And eat, yeah. And good food. And so, <laughs> food. and so, um, we started going to the church and I was always quiet. Like I'm a I'm not introvert. So, um, on a huge trip, my mom said that I was going, I didn't have any choice in that. And that's where I met Derek. Like he came up to me. I was out. I, I was always in a corner by myself <laughs> he came up to me. And, um, try giving me jokes and all of that. Showing me a little attention and and I thought that was nice. We didn't like each other at first, but we we have good results I still don't know if
2: she likes me, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Beth.
0: But we have good results now, so that's
1: another story. You know, I love, uh, a couple things jump out at me. And, And the first one is how, so much involves family ministry it's you know really starts with that that inner circle and, you know, if you can, especially in in ministry, if you're a pastor or you're a missionary, that inner circle is so important, how you, you know, administer your household, how you, who, how you're loving on the family around you, because that is so important. Because again, you know, had you not been loving on your, your, your siblings, uh, Derek, then they would not know Christ. And, you know, kind of same thing with, uh, with you, Valentine, kind of your family, you know, became involved with that church and, you know, you all kind of, Began to, uh, you know, be involved, and and now you you know you met your your future husband there, and 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 you're 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 working in that church, you know. But it starts with those small steps. But you know, another thing too, and I love how you both have overcome family situations, um, you know, whether you want to call that abandonment, whether you know whatever you want to call that, um, you've you've overcome it. You did not allow it to to hold you back. And I just feel like I'm speaking to somebody that's listening that, you know, that you, you can't let that hold you back anymore. You can't yep. let you hold that back, you know, you know, so it's so important how we view our earthly fathers, be how we view heavenly fathers. And so when we when we see earthly fathers leave or abandon, you know, sometimes we think that that's how our heavenly father mm-hmm. uh, acts. And that's that, that couldn't be further from the truth, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the the, the heavenly father loves with with unending love and he pursues unfailingly and I love how you both have come from situations where you could have gone the other direction you could have you could have you know said God I don't want anything to do with you because if you're anything like my earthly dad if you're like anything like my parents this way man I don't want anything to do and but you you kept going and you kept digging deeper and, you know, you, you found out who God really is and how he really truly loves you at a deep level. And now how that's spilling out of you guys, just, you know, just, uh, just the joy that's spilling out of you is, is impacting communities and, and impacting mm-hmm. a nation. And I really think that that's quite, you know, that's quite a, an amazing thing. So, you know, let's fast forward a little bit. I love, you know, as I've done my research, I, you know, as I look at, you know, you, God Cares Outreach, I love how you so clearly break down your strategies. And listeners, you know, grab a pencil because this breakdown is it's absolute gold. Uh, you mentioned four strategies in particular. The first one, equipping and resourcing the local church. Number two, reaching the kids. Number three, connecting the parents. And number four, impacting communities. Uh, can you guys go through these points and talk about some of the actual tactical things that you do and some of the results that you're seeing?
2: Awesome. Well, you know, as, as a, we're what we will consider a para church ministry. Um, you know, that is a terminology that a lot of churches use, but I, I just like calling it, we're coming alongside the local church. We don't mm-hmm. exist without the local church. And we're, we're firm believers as a ministry, as an organization. We're a firm believer that the church is the only institution in which God left behind that can bring about true transformation. No other social program can do such. Mm -hmm. And so understanding that we come alongside the local church and we see, how can we bridge resource with needs? Um, And so we come alongside the church, we, we check up on the pastor. How can we resource this pastor? Because we know if we have healthy pastors um, healthy marriages and leadership, we will have a healthy church. And if we have a healthy church, we have a healthy community. And so we try to come alongside that pastor and say, hey, how can we be your even in your hearse? How can we hold your hands up? How can we encourage you? How can we resource you? And so that is one way that we do it. So we come alongside them. We make sure that they're they're good. We make sure that they have the necessary resource that they need. We make sure that they, as far as um, evangelism training, as far as pastoral training, as far as ministerial trainings, resources, we, we try to bring as much as that we, as we can to a local church. But also our, our, our bigger picture is that we want to see the, the nation of Belize transform um, mm-hmm. through the love yeah. of Christ. And we understand if we could do that one community at a time strategically, we can in- reach the entire nation. And so when we go into a community, that is where our next three strategies come, come in. And the first one is that we, we, we reach the kids. And I'll, I'll have my wife talk about a little bit about how we reach the kids in a community.
0: So how we reach the kids is that we try to give them, we reach them in a holistic um, point of view. We try to offer them discipleship. We try to offer them after school programs. We try to partner with the churches in the community and try to um, see how we can offer them. Either it's if, if it's um, something co- um, school-wise or if it's feeding, that's one of the main thing that we try to do. Give them at least one um, meal a day in the community and we try to um, give them medical um, assistance.
2: Yeah, so in every community, you know, uh, after we have done our assessment, we find, uh, you know, it, me and Valentine testimony is, is pretty much, um, a testimony of many of the kids in some of these communities and village, whereby it's a single mom trying her very best to raise all her kids. And so when we come into these community and we begin to offer these, this holistic approach and just loving on the kids, just loving on the kids. So the feeding, the medical and the, the, the um, educational are all what we call tools to get them into a discipleship program. And so imagine the church loving on these kids, calling the school, how is Derek doing? How is his grade doing? Doing, how can because a lot of the single moms cannot do that so they're, they're trying to work four or five jobs they're trying to make ends meet they don't have the time to check up on how they how, how they're doing in school what is their what is their status in school and so the church we try to we try to help the parents in doing that and we have found out that by just loving on these kids that it opened the doors to many many families that would have never entered the church. And so we enter the homes and which mom wouldn't love a church that is loving on their kids, that is Mm -hmm. providing some of the things that she is fighting to provide and just saying, hey, we're we're here to help you carry this load. We're here to help uh, uh, let your child dream big, you know? Um, And so we find that parents start coming to the church, single parents, and that's how we connect the parents. We connect the parents by reaching the kids and so the parents start coming to the church and we're trying to say okay what next how can we help these parents? how can we help these single mom so that they can provide for their children so that they can actually dream again so that they themselves can have a better life and then we start connecting the parents through uh work enforcement so we have whereby we try to connect them whether it may be um, sewing you know um uh, connecting to a local job in the community, uh, providing groceries, doing door-to-door evangelism, praying with them, you know, doing discipleship, or whatever it may be, parenting class, budgeting class. So we try to bring all of this in order to help the parents and give them tools so that they can move from struggling to striving. And, and then the last thing is after we have reached one family, one family, and the next family, and the next family, then we wanna impact that community. And we want to do that, impact that community by changing the narrative. That is our overall goal. We want to change the narrative of a community, change the narrative of a village. What do you mean by that Derek? Change the the narrative. This this community was known for, for, for drug trafficking, prostitution, fatherlessness you know um high school dropouts poverty that we want that that community we want that village to be known as a village that is producing uh strong young people that 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 are changing their community so we we do that by community transformation doing painting uh remodeling of homes um you know uh, cleanups cleanups, community crusades outreaches community events so I, i mean we're doing a lot but we believe that if we can do this strategically one community at a time we'll be able to see the whole nation of belize and, and guess what that that is just one drop in the bucket because we see this happening in all of central america latin america and the caribbean coming very soon yeah.
1: wow. so good mm-hmm. so good
3: absolutely you know the verse that comes to mind is
1: jesus really telling people my law is love my law is love. And, you know, they'll know you're Christians by your love. And I love how you guys just go out and start loving on people. You care about, mm-hmm. you genuinely care. And people know authentic love versus fake love. People just know. I mean, particularly now in the 21st century, we just kind of have that, that filter. Um, we know when it's authentic and when you're authentically caring about kids, you know, especially as, as a parent, when somebody cares for your kid, you notice it, you take notice it, of it. Yeah. And that can have a huge uh, impact on you. And, you know, again, I, I feel like, again, I, I don't usually say this, but there are listeners out there that need to take what, what Derek said, to change that narrative, not on a, on a community mm-hmm. level, but in your own personal level. Yeah, because you know, we are not who we used to be. You know, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. And that narrative now changes and God is writing a new story in all of us. And Amen. so many times, what people have said, labels, what parents have said, what friends have said can, can hold you back mm-hmm. and because that's a narrative and, that, and, it, and it's, it's no longer true. And so we all need to have a new narrative in our in our lives. And I, I love that. And a couple other points that you brought up is that you go from community to community. And and I think that's such a recipe for success because so many times we get so uh, we so on fire. And we want to just go change everything. And you know, if we if we do so much, we dilute our efforts, don't we? You know, right. and so you you have to focus one at a time, one at a time, change one community, move forward, move forward. And, you know, it's just like, you know, God's word says precept upon precept, we we, we, we build communities, uh, you know, and build an an impact a nation, community upon community upon community. The last thing that kind of stood out to me is that, you know, leadership is critical. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're a leader, you understand that, that so much, you know, really falls on your shoulders and, you know, maybe, you know, disproportionately so, but, you know if a leader is in healthy condition he can lead health fully All but right. if he's not healthy then man that that church that community suffers and so if you're a leader and you're you're in that spot man i encourage you to take some time and withdraw you know jesus did this quite often he withdrew and he, he took time to just breathe and be with the Father. And I think we all need reminders of that. But if, you know, if you're not a leader, but you see that, you know, if you are in close relationship with the leaders and you see that they've been going for a long while, encourage them. You know, you know, Derek, you're, you know, Valentin, you guys are leaders. Encouragement mm-hmm. goes a long way for leaders, doesn't it?
0: correct yeah yeah
1: and so you know if 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 you can encourage your leadership your pastors your you know whatever that is encourage them give them a night away um give them you know a a dinner out something like that man something that helps restore their souls because by you know by restoring their souls by helping them get healthy on the inside and just kind of breathing man you can affect so much
2: i mean simply just calling them and say thank you Mm -hmm. thank you for your service thank you for what you have been doing. We know it's not easy, but I just want you to know that it is noticeable and, and, and we just want to say thank you. I mean, that goes a long way because sure. sometimes as leaders, we don't know how impactful we are or we don't know if what we're doing is really making an impact and, and you know, it take a toll on us. Mm-hmm. And so just to have somebody to call you and say, hey, pastor, thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for answering the call. I mean, it does a lot.
1: Sure. You know, we talk about impacting communities and, you know, there's, you know, we, we can see, you know, from A to C, we see those things, but sometimes, you know, you know, E, F, G, H, you know, th- those, those in-between spots get a little bit hard because we don't always see the progress way, right away, do we? You know, it's just, you know, continuing to, to, to do what God tells us to do day by day. And ultimately you start seeing those communities. You start seeing that, that mom show up because you've been show, you've been feeding sure. their kid for three weeks or a month or two months. And finally they show up and you get that opportunity to begin to share with them and so you know don't despise the days of small beginnings um don't just don't despise those those small things that go that you think go unnoticed because god knows them and other people are seeing them as well and they will bear fruit when you when you plant those seeds they will
3: and i just i love the statement about you know the local church being the organization that will create real eternal change and Mm -hmm there's, you know, not to be downputting or or anything, but so many NGOs, you know, might provide food and that's great. You know, that's awesome. But beyond that, where is, where's the hope beyond that? And, you know, just you guys sharing your stories about how, you know, the church has provided the food, Mm -hmm. but then they gave you what the word says is the real food, the real deal, you know, Jesus Christ himself. And, it's just amazing. I just love hearing everything that you guys are doing and what God's doing in the... in the, um, and I think,
2: I think as, as far as organizations that are concerned, as far as Christian organization, is just understanding their role that they play in the Great Commission
1: mm-hmm. and,
2: and understanding that we are all a part of the body. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, um, so, but so many times, para-church para, para organization they, they, they wanna be on the forefront and, and that is not the way that, cause here's the thing, the organization will come and go, but God said, my church will remain. Mm-hmm. Nothing will come against my mm-hmm. church. And so mm-hmm. understand it from that structural uh, position as organization, let's support the local church, let's support yeah. the local pastor, you know? And so that is where my heart is at. I'm, I'm an advocate for churches.
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: And, you know, I love to just back to your point as well, um, you know, just you both are examples of, you know, food being ministry, really. <laughs> um, yeah. but, you know, yeah, and, and I say that kind of jokingly, but it's true that so many times we make ministry so, you know, we, we kind of had like I had to go low around that word, you know, we make it so um, you know, almost impossibly hard. Yeah. And yet it's really, you know, a quite a practical thing, food. And you you both you know, you went for the food, you went because they, you know, they met a need. And ultimately, it transitioned, you know, and I think that there's, there's such a a buzz around sustainability nowadays, and, you know, and NGOs and kind of in, you know, missions, you know, is it sustainable? And, you know, I agree that, you know, some things, you know, you need to look at, is this working? And if it's not working, then, you know, maybe you should devote resources to something different, you know, but, you know, sustainability and, you know, kind of things that are, um, you know, development related versus kind of, you know, that are just sort of, uh, response related. And we, we have to remember that meeting a need, um, God sees that, you know, just offering those cold cups of water. God sees it. He sees yeah. that ministry. And, um, you know, we need to not make ministry overly complicated. Uh-huh. You know, we, we need to, we need to hear what God says and go do it. Yep.
2: Yeah. You know, no, I, I fully, I fully agree with you, Dan, that there, there, there are some people that we have, you know, that come along the way that want to partner with us. And I, I love partnership and, but some of them just doesn't have that heart of just serving, you know, and they make it really, really complicated that I will call them and say, is there a simpler way for us to do this? You know, because at the end of the day, all these people need to know, like you said, Dan, is that we love them. You know, they don't want to hear you love them. It's one thing to hear, I love you, but it's the next thing to show that I love you. And they have been hearing, I love you, I love you, I love you. And like Valentin said, it's just, where is that tangible love? Where is that? You're there. You're there just to listen. You're there to just have them cry on your shoulder. And so, like you said, let's not make what God have made, um, and not to dilute it, but not, let's not make what God have made simple, complicated. Mm.
1: So true. Absolutely. Wow. So you have alluded to this a little bit earlier, but you know, what are some of the things that God is beginning to put on your heart to believe him and to take steps of faith for over the course of the next year or two?
2: Man, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, You know, God is, you know, here, here here's the thing. Um, We're we're just here planting seeds Um, and, and, God is the one that, that let that tree grow. There, is, you know, there are certain things that we can try to make that tree grow, but nature has to take its effect. It's the same in the spiritual realm. We're, me and my wife and our team, we're just, like, like we said, we're just here, yes, Lord, use me. And we're planting those seeds and this tree is growing. And, and we don't know how, how huge it will grow, but we're trusting God that we're, whichever way it grows, that, that, that we'll be obedient and we will follow And so as of lately, there is a buzz going on. Derek, we would love to see what you're doing in Belize replicated in all of Central America, Latin America, and the Caribbean. And so it's like, Lord, is that where you want us? Um, Is that what you want us to do? Yes, we're willing if that is what you call us to do. But at the same time, there is still a lot to be covered in the nation of Belize. Um, We still have some communities. We still have some rural villages that still need the love of Christ. And so we have, we have sit down, we have come to the drawing table and say, how can we better what we're doing in Belize before we even expand? And so we're adding to our teams, we're we're thinking about ways that we could take it to the next level, Um, having a medical, a mobile clinic that we could just drive up into a village and provide dental care, general checkup, um, um, site, eye tests, um, you know, there is a next component to that, that we might even get a food truck. So, hey, we'll be on wheels. We'll be the ministry <laughs> on wheels, <laughs> pulling up in a community, um, providing then, you know, all the medical service and then have a food truck that can provide meal. And later on in the evening, provide um, a, a, the gospel, a mini crusade. So we have that that one. Then we have some sustainable platforms that we have people that that, that is willing to come alongside and help us develop where we will take um, you know, a trailer of equipment and just pull up into a community for three months and provide uh, electrical um, classes, plumbing classes, basic construction classes, automotive classes, and and work alongside even the government to put credentials behind that. Um, and one of their one of one way that these these group of guys will give back is to build a single home for a mom in that community. And so we're, there, there is a lot going on, you know, and then we we're thinking also about a school of ministry for young leaders, you know, um, not, not a Bible a college. We, we, we want kids, you know, on fire, um, young adults, young people that, that feel as though God have a calling upon their life we want to be able to provide them with the resource and the tools that they could come in for, you know, whether it may be six months to a year of just intense training, practical training, and then launch into the ministry. And if they want to continue with their Bible studies, they could go to Bible college. But we want to have a center, I, I mean, a state-of-the-art center. Because in our in our in our country, you know, so many times ministry is dung upon because of our lack of professionalism, and so we're trying to take this to a whole next level where we want to have a state-of-the-art building in in the center of of the government um arena that we could say hey the church the church mean business we're we're about we're about kingdom principles and so and just having young people walking into this building and as they walk into this building that they feel like they're a part of transformation they're a part of something life-giving and so there is a lot going on and, and like i said we're, me and my wife, my team, we're just here planting seeds and we see that God is watering this thing and it's, it's growing. And we're like, okay, Lord, thank you for having us to be a part of this. We're, we're not, we're not the, the person by no means qualified to do this, but we're happy that we get to be a part. We're happy that we get to be co-labors with Christ in the Great Commission.
3: Oh, amen. Well said. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that <laughs> yeah. that
1: phrase next level mm-hmm. you know we serve a next level God don't we amen mm-hmm. and he is always he's he leads us from victory to victory doesn't he and you know when we get up in the you know I love that you can you, you know listeners you can hear the passion in his voice that mm-hmm. you know that God is doing something in him and you know he's seeing God move and they are seeing you know they they uh and you know their ministry are is seeing God move and, you know, God is go- taking them to the next level and the next level and the next level. We don't serve, a, you know, God is about, not about addition. He's about, mul- you hear this a lot on the show. God wants to multiply things, you know, mm-hmm. and he wants to go next level to next level to next level. And, you know, ultimately how we go from next level to next level is we trust. We trust yeah. and we have faith. You know, because that's how we, that you know, in the in the world, it's, you know, I need to get all these extra skills. I need to build this. I need to do that. I need that. And in the kingdom, going to the next level is about faith and about
3: trust. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I would add to that obeying too. And obedience. Absolutely. Trust, faith, and obedience. Absolutely. And, you know, just what you guys were saying, like, we're planting seeds, but God's the one making it grow. God makes the seeds grow. And it reminds me actually of a message that, um, was at our church just recently, um, where they talked about the you know, people did their part, God does his part. Yeah. And, you know, so it's like God is equipping you guys to do the part that he's called you to do, but he is doing his part and That's just a beautiful picture of how it's supposed to work. And Mm -hmm. I love that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Obedience is our part and the outcome is God's part. And I love, I Mm -hmm. I love how, you know, they work, they work hand in hand. You know, one other thing listeners that uh, maybe we all, we all missed, but he, there was something huge in what, what Derek said there. And he said, he said, he said the G word, he said government. And I love that the church is working beside the government because you know they can but because you know and I want to hear a little bit more I know I've heard you know kind of offline some of how you've worked together hand in hand with some of the government and they've been able to actually work together with you and provide some of those needs that you couldn't have done by yourself you know and so many times in ministry and you know church and NGOs and all these things that we think you know we need to kind of be, oh you know not let the government find out what we're doing and this and that you know and there might be degrees of truth but you know ultimately you know w- we should be out there and you know if we if when the government see that what the church is supposed to be like and we, when they see the church operating the way that the church is supposed to be operating man they're going to they they want to intro- they want help with those problems they want help in fixing the needs of the community um, and they, they want to invite that in there, but they, but if the church isn't being the church, then how are they supposed to know? So Derek, can you speak a little bit, or you know, Derek and Valentin, can you speak a little bit how you've worked with the government and, you know, some of those ways that they've come through and met some of the needs that you guys have needed?
2: I, um, I, I would like to address that question first stating that Jesus understood, um, the power of the local government. He understood the time that the Romans and he, he, you know, he, he, t- he, he, told his disciple, give, give unto Caesar. What, what is due unto Caesar? He understood how the government work. And, and so many times in this time and age, you know, the churches don't like, you know, they're, they're either too involved in the government whereby it is the church get political or they're too far away from the church where they're not making an impact at a governmental level. And so there has to be a balance. And and I believe that Jesus portrayed that balance. I mean, even in the Old Testament, we we see where that balance um, was struck, whereby the the kings would seek out the priests and the priests would work with the kings in order to change the trajectory of nations. And so I'm learning this more and more with mentors and guys in my corner that have tapped into these arenas. And so in my country, you know, I, I, I see whereby we can work hand in hand with the government and, and not only that, but the church being an example to the government as to how things are supposed to be operate in order to see transformation. And so as a, as a, as a ministry, we, we've been doing what we have been doing and trust, trust in God. And then the government got to see what we're doing and, and they start saying, hey, there, how can we work alongside in what you're doing in certain area that they have even asked me to be the chairperson of a entire uh, division to help bring about change in that in that community. And I know again, like I said at the at the start of the the show, that I strongly believe that the church is the only institution that can bring about true transformation. So how will I do that in this community? I would partner with the local churches in this community and have them storm the gates of hell with the gospel, with love, with hope, with you know, and, and, just, and just begin to change the narrative of this entire division and then use it as a prototype to the government that see when you work alongside the church, this is what can happen. Poverty can drop. Uh, gang um, gang activities can decrease. Uh, poverty can begin begin to take a new face, and and people begin to hope and dream again. Um, high school dropout the rate will begin to to, to diminish. Um, um, you know, unplanned pregnancy will, will will begin to change. And so, changing the narrative of that of that community, changing the narrative of that division can only be done not through um, the 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 government or a social program, but also understanding that the government have somewhat of an authority um, over that division that they can give us. They can we can lean on some of that authority, on some of that resource that the government already have um, for that division. The church tapping into that and using it to be of a greater impact. And so God have you know given us favor. That that would be the word favor with those in the governmental level to to help us do what God have called us to do in some of these communities. And so that is one of the ways that we have been partnering with the with the local government, with the city council, um, because they have what we, they 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 need what we have. And at the same time, they have some some leverage that we could, some platforms that we could ride on to see the transformation that we need to see in communities.
1: Wow. Amazing. How can listeners uh, connect with you guys and find out more about, you know, God Cares Outreach? Do you guys have a website? Do you have an email address or some social media handles?
2: Um, so they can, they can, of course, go on our um, website, which is an S, outreach.org. Um And they can um, reach us by email at cares, with an S outreach at gmail.com and of course we're on we're on Facebook. social we're on Facebook as Derek and Bal- Derek Valentin Pitts. All right. Valentine is not my middle name, but Valentine okay. is my one. <laughs> um, so it's Derek Valentin Pitts. Wonderful.
1: You know it, you know one final question, you know, for for you know let's let's hear, you know, maybe from Valentine. Maybe you can close it out uh, the question not Derek. Um, what would you you know what would your encouragement be? For the global body of believers for this time and place?
0: Well, um, like, I just think it's all remarkable how everything unfolds in our life. And like, like, we've been saying that everyone has a need. And it's been remarkable to see how our ministry has, has unfolded because we were once one of those kids. And to just be in, to just like invest. To be encouraging, encouraging is to, to tell someone that just to invest in, it just starts with one person. Invest in that person as you would have wanted someone to invest in you. You know, and God is no respect to a person. If you want to live out that missional life that, that, I mean, that your guys' podcast is all about, you just start where you are and trust the process.
2: Amen. Amen. And, you know, trust in the process Lead me into believing that, especially what is going on in our time. you know, We're living in some unprecedented times, things that we have never seen in our life before is unfolding. And we could easily be distracted by what is going on around us. But I want to encourage you that whatever is going on in your life, whatever is going on in your community, in your family, in your nation, did not catch God by surprise. And it cannot and it will not detour God's plan of salvation he already has a strategy he already has a door of escape he already has the answer and so let us not focus on the things that is going on around us and let us focus on Christ because he knows the end from the beginning he said i'm alpha and i am omega i am the beginning and the end and i want to also encourage you that he's also the god of the in between he is in it with us. He will not leave us. And so let us trust him. Let us trust him for the next step. Let us trust him for the next answer. Let us trust him for the next strategy. Let us trust him for the next ministry. Let us trust him in the next season because he is forever present. God doesn't see things, um, it, the, the way that we see things, he doesn't see it in time frame. He sees it in eternity, and so he's not moved by the times that we're in. He's moved by eternity, and I just want to encourage you. He's not interested in your past as much as he's interested in your future, and so don't let what had happened in your past or what is going on presently affect where you will spend eternity, what you will, how you can. If, impact eternity and 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 god has a special calling upon your life despite where you're coming from he believes in you he trusts in you and he said in in romans he said will your lack of faithfulness nullify god's faithfulness he said not at all let every man be a liar but let him be true in other words not because you have broken the covenant or you have broken the contract mean that god change he changes not he's still God he still loves you he still has a plan for your life he still has great 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 things in store for you he said it had it had not entered the ears of man neither have it entered the heart of man what he's able to do in you and through you all you got to do is keep your eyes upon the prize and watch God do what only he can do amen
1: amen and amen wow Such an honor, such a blessing to spend some time with you guys today. Um, Wow. Listeners, that was just absolute gold. We need to, I need to go back and listen to that again. So (laughs) Wonderful. What an honor. We are so excited to see what God does. Maybe we should do a follow-up episode again uh, sometime. We need to hear how this is, uh, what you guys are doing to, you know, how it continues to expand. So maybe we'll, listeners, look for that here in the future. And
2: and who knows, maybe on the next episode, you guys will be talking about police. Uh,
1: (laughs) yeah, who knows? Who knows? We'll see if that's in the cards. (laughs) Trust and obey. Trust and obey. (laughs) Well, hey, uh, thank you so much. It's an honor to have you Mm -hmm.
3: on the Missional Life
1: Podcast. Let's all live the mission.